closer to the athletes, coaches, families, and fans of Cincinnati sports. It's On the Sidelines with Q102's Molly Watson and Lindsey Patterson. Presented by OrthoCincy, the orthopedic authority. We are back on On the Sidelines. Lindsey Patterson, I am without Molly Watson today, but some exciting stuff because football season, there's really no off season for the Cincinnati Bengals. Evan McPhillips joins me now. Evan, what's going on? Hey, Lindsey, it's been a while. Good to talk with you again. Happy to be here. It is really good to talk to you. The best thing about it is we were going to record on a Thursday. We moved it to a Friday. And the good news is we have a schedule to talk about. And I'm really excited about it because here's the thing. The NFL, they drag it out. They they put little games here and there on Monday and Tuesday. And then they finally do the huge schedule release, which I absolutely love because everybody cares. Yes, we know the opponents before they get the schedule release, who the Bengals will face in 2023. But we want to know the primetime games. We want to know the opener and everything like that. Uh, what what were your thoughts when you saw the Bengals schedule? Uh, I definitely think it's interesting opening up with two division games to start the season. Um, that's going to be a chance for the Bengals to really kind of solidify themselves as the AFC North uh, favorites, as well as kind of put themselves ahead of everybody else in the division and at their backs. So really good opportunity for them there. And I think I have a lot of the same kind of opinions that kind of smack you in the face as soon as you look at it, where, the first half before the bye looks really kind of softer when you're looking at the Rams, the Titans, the Cardinals. And as soon as you come back from the bye, you've got the at 49ers, you've got the Bills, a week with the Texans at home, and then you're back at Ravens, Steelers, at Jaguars. I mean, that's a that's a pretty treacherous, uh, a murderer's row of opponents there, so to speak. So the back half of the schedule definitely looking a lot more difficult uh, than the first half. But, of course, we know the Bengals have generally – Started a little slow the last couple of years, and there's reasons for that between COVID off seasons, between Joe Burrow injuries, between Joe Burrow appendectomies and other things. So um, I, I think this is an opportunity for the Bengals to have a, a fast start in the division and on the season and then get themselves into rhythm going into the bye before they have to make that really difficult kind of trip and finish out the rest of their season. Yeah, you know what? I kind of like having Cleveland first because that game is always a nightmare. Get it out of the way. Play them week one. Tip, typically, Cleveland not that great in week one game. So maybe you can get that AFC North road game week one. Then you come back for Baltimore for the home opener and the vibes are going to be high for that one. One of the things I, I wasn't a huge fan of, but hey, you're not going to like a schedule fully. It's the bye. That bye is so early. But I do think right. of it as... You get that mini buy for that Thursday night football game and a few weeks later. So maybe how they balance out the season, that's going to be huge. And it'll be interesting to see how Zach Taylor does manage those first four weeks of football before you get close to the buy. So that's kind of my feeling on it. I was a little surprised. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. They are four primetime games. I thought they would be max of five. And I know they have Kansas City at 425 and there's flex scheduling towards the back half of the schedule so they can get some flip flop later games. Were you mm-hmm. a little surprised there was only four games for them? Uh, yeah, I guess I am. And there's still, like you said, the opportunity for flexing here and there as well. Um, I, I think that maybe I'm trying to think about any of the games later in the season that, I mean, it's ultimately going to have to be a surprise team, right? Whether that's the Colts taking hold of the AFC South and really competing with the Jaguars, maybe that game is a little more interesting. Um, I was definitely surprised to see the Rams as a primetime game. I know there's the allure of a relatively recent uh, Super Bowl matchup. But at the same time, I think there's like maybe 
four players from that Super Bowl roster on the Rams. We know how much turnover they've had. And um, it's just – I don't know that they're going to necessarily – be a extremely competitive team. I think they've got a lot of holes they're still trying to fill. Um, it definitely helped having like 12 third and fourth round picks in this draft this year. They got some good players. Um, many of them are going to slot right in as starters and it's going to be, I think it's a game that the Bengals can definitely win. And I think it's maybe people might be surprised if they have that kind of uh, they fail to realize that the Rams are a significantly different team than they were just two years ago. And uh, it actually kind of goes to show when people say, why don't the Bengals trade all their picks and go all in? Well, this is why, because eventually that that comes home to roost and you have to get rid of good players and then you have to go through that rebuild, whereas the Bengals are going more of that, that Chiefs mold of, hey, we're going to be competitive every single year and we're not going to just completely – tear down our future prospects at the chance of just being relevant for a year or two. The Nick Scott game. I agree with you. That's a little bit of a questionable <laughs> game, uh, but, but speaking of the safety position, I actually want to go into the rookie draft class for this team. Look, yeah. when you're, when you're loaded and there are just a few little tiny holes, more of its depth when it comes to the rookie class for the Cincinnati Bengals, what did you think about the, uh, the NFL draft for them? Uh, I definitely like the addition of Jordan battle. So um, we're going to see this transition for the defense, right? Where before it was cheap offense and expensive defensive free agents that they brought in. Um, you're you're going to start seeing this uh, transfer where as the offensive players start to get paid, they're getting younger on the defense, which I think was a lot of what was happening in this draft as well. Adding that youth to that position is we, much as we love Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, they are just two seasons away from being about the 30 year mark. Um, you've got guys who are aging out Cheeto coming off injury, 28 years old. And also I, I think that, like we said, they're getting cheaper on defense to help offset the offensive expenses, but also, um, I, I go back to things that people much smarter than I, like Nate Tice of The Athletic and Rob, uh, Robert Mays, um, they talk to a lot of defensive coordinators. They've been around the game. Nate has since he's grown up. Um, and they said, I've never heard a defensive coordinator say I'm going to completely change my game plan because I need to avoid this safety. And that's obviously the safety is deep. Generally, they're they're not. They don't have the ability to affect as many plays as, the, say, the defensive line, right? Um, and, and I think that's part of what went into the whole shifting from going with a Von Bell and a Jesse Bates, who both got a lot more than I think was about what people expected. Um, so I think adding what they did in Nick Scott, you've got Dax Hill there, and then going and finding a guy who really shouldn't have fallen as far as he did in Jordan Battle. Um, he's not an explosive athlete, but he's extremely smart and experienced, had zero penalties in 2022, has been a team captain, which we know the Bengals love, and has played 789 special team snaps in his career. So we know Darren Simmons is going to love that. He's sound in the run game and able to come downhill, deliver physical strikes. So I think he's really going to be able to – he has that experience in a Nick Saban system for years, which means it lends itself to how smart he is. And we know Lou is going to love that because he loves to move his players around. Jordan Battle played deep. He played in the box. So he has that versatility as well as the Bengals like to move things around. I definitely see the vision. I think there's going to be a lot more three safety looks. I don't think this necessarily means that Nick Scott is just out of the rotation. I think all of these guys are going to play 600 snaps or so, 500 snaps or so. I think there will be a lot of movement in this defense. And I think it just frees up Lou to be creative with what he does back there. They needed that youth. 
that athleticism back in the secondary, and they really attacked it with adding DJ Turner, adding the Jordan battle. I really like what they did, and I feel like it's going to give them flexibility. And if we think about, too, how we talked about the defensive line, it's been uh, a talking point driven home that the defensive line didn't get enough pressure, that they were not effective enough, and that a lot of the sacks and good looks and pressures were because the coverage was good. Um, I think you'll start to see that transition where as you get younger in the defensive backfield, there's going to be a little bit of time for those guys to get seasoned, get up to speed. But I think the defensive line with being a deeper rotation, adding more talent there, Joseph Osai is healthy, Miles Murphy added to the room, and then you have the other guys like Jeff Gunder, Cam Sample all taking a step forward as well. I think maybe you see a little bit more of the production from the defensive line that makes up for any blemishes that the secondary might have as well. Yeah, when you mentioned DJ Turner, there were rumors before the first round that the Bengals had interest in him. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of people thought they were going to get him at 28. So I asked uh, Brent Nolman, he does a lot of film breakdown and I really like his YouTube stuff. And I said, hey, what do you think about DJ Turner? <laughs> because Emmanuel Forbes was the, was the high guy they were on, but obviously he was right. The Bengals were picking, and he said, honestly, low key love that for Cincinnati. And I was talking about at 28. He said he's he's crazy with his movements, and I think that would be great for Lewin. Oh, so I was like, oh, okay. So I was, I was buying in a little bit on the low key part, and for them to get him in the second round, I think was absolutely huge. And, and one thing I noticed on draft night, their picks were in so quick. Every right. single time the guys were just falling on their board and, and, and to go safety in the third round, I, I absolutely love it. Um, Jordan battle, everything I'm hearing about him out of Alabama just sounds like he's going to be great with Lou and, and what we're going to see on the defensive side of the ball. And I agree with you. You need to go cheaper because the core of these contracts are going to be on the offensive side of the ball and to be able mm -hmm. to get that talent, stay young is going to be huge for them. But overall, I, I really did enjoy the draft class. I, I hope everything uh, works out in the punning situation because everybody remembers what happened in the AFC championship game, unfortunately. Um, yes. But uh, it's been kind of a long offseason on, on Bengals social media, uh, offensive line yes. talk and all of that talk. At the end of the day, it's more than likely that Jonah Williams will be the right tackle on the offensive line. Right. For me personally, I think that is a good decision, and that's good for the offensive line, having Orlando Brown on the other side with Cordell Volson, what mm -hmm. that's going to mean you know, for him in year two. And then you go to the center position, obviously, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa on the other end, and uh, as I mentioned, Jonah Williams. How do you feel overall about this offensive line in September? Right. Um, so, obviously – it still has to be said. I, I you'd think people would be like familiar with this, but Jono was playing on a dislocated knee last year, and obviously he did not look good. No, um, but his other two years that he's played, he has been in the thirty, the twenty to thirty-five range in almost every metric for out of like eighty-eight qualifying tackles in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-one. At his worst, he's like still middle tier middle tier tackles have value so whatever this like weird disdain and just the the venom toward Jonah Williams needs to stop he played through that injury and really grinded it out for this team so like just because he was frustrated by the situation when the the trade hat or the signing of uh, Orlando Brown happened and he didn't get notice I, I think if you're just stop and consider the human element of that you can understand why and obviously reports have been recently that they have mended that relationship that both sides have kind of come together where they are and are ready to move forward um and also i think a little bit there's some recency bias of the perception of the o-line last year right 
Um, you, you lose three starters going into the playoffs and you have to watch multiple games with this offensive line getting whooped with all these backups in. And it kind of warps our perception of what they were truly last year. So when you look at that offensive line from week five on, when they kind of made their scheme change um, and kind of really found their identity and started playing well, they were first in rushing efficiency from week five on and first in EPA per rush. And they allowed pressure at the seventh lowest rate in the NFL. So when they were healthy, they were just fine. Okay. So don't, paint the entire offensive line as, oh, it was putrid, it was crap. It's still, you know, the stuff that Joe Burrow's dealing with and has always dealt with. That was not the case. And so just from a health standpoint, coming back, they're going to be good. And adding Orlando Brown to that mix is going to be excellent. Obviously, Jonah has not played right tackle since college. Um, but at the very same time, I feel like that's a position he can transfer to that he has experience with. It's not like he's played left tackle the last 15 years. Um, and now is trying to figure it out. I, I think he has that experience to fall back on where with time, with reps, he will be able to get back to a decent form there. And average right tackle play is going to be better than anything the Bengals have had in the last few years. It's important to remember that, not trying to talk bad about the John Jerry's, the Riley Reeves, the Bobby Hart's of the world, but that's the state of the right tackle position. So even if Jonah is the 40th best tackle out of the 64 starting tackles you have in the NFL, that is still good. Okay. So I, I have faith in what the offensive line is going to be and what their vision is going forward. And I also think having Alex Kappa by him is going to be really helpful too. Um, you know, right. I the same thing for Orlando Brown, you know, he's going to be able to help Cordell Volson and, and to have that help is going to be huge, but yeah, I'm not down on Jonah Williams. I'm, I'm actually hoping he gets a huge contract at the end of the season. It's not going to be in Cincinnati. I don't see it happen in Cincinnati, but I hope it's for another team because he has a great 2023 season. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see what that offensive line looks like uh, going into the season, but that's what I'm going with. And I am okay with that. What are the run game really quickly? And then a little bit on Joe Burrow while I have you here. Um, the, the running game, Joe Mixon, again, another storyline. You bring in Chase Brown in the draft, a late running back. One of the things I feel like they struggled with last year is explosive plays. And I really want to see this run game balance out the offense. Yes, they have a lot of talented wide receivers and throwing the ball to them, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. But you also got to get your run game going. What do you mm -hmm. see Joe Mixon in 2023 with him more than likely being running back number one? Spring brings new beginnings, but it can also bring unexpected injuries. Ortho Cincy Orthopedic Urgent Care is more affordable than a busy ER. With five convenient locations, including extended evening and Saturday hours in Edgewood and Anderson, Ortho Cincy Orthopedic Urgent Care makes it easy to get the care you need. Simply walk in, no appointment necessary. Visit orthocincy.com to learn more. That's orthocincy.com. What do you mm -hmm. see Joe Mixon in 2023 with him more than likely being running back number one? I think he's definitely going to be the RB1. I think we'll see maybe – it's tough to say a bit more of a rotation. Um, maybe like a three-man rotation between Williams, Brown, and Mixon. Um, it's hard to say like we see more of a rotation when they mixed in uh, Samaj P. Ryan so much last season. But I, I definitely think you've seen the NFL trend away from these – quote-unquote bell cow backs, right? Um, I think it was 2012, there were eight 
running backs with over 400 touches. There were only four this previous year. And the same goes for running backs who had like 300 plus rushes. Um, you're just seeing literally half as many bell cow backs as you used to. And a lot of people are going to more specialists of different skill sets. And I think you have a nice bevy of skill sets in the backfield. I think Joe, uh, Joe Mixon is going to be with this offensive line with a another year in this scheme, understanding what identity they wanted to be, bringing in Orlando Brown, who fits so well. The offensive line is going to be there for Joe Mixon to capitalize, to have an exceptional year. Um, the only place you really want to see more from him is just forcing missed tackles as a runner. Um, his one year, I believe that he uh, – I believe it was the year that he – uh, won the AFC North or the AFC rushing crown after Philip Lindsay went down with injury. Um, he was forcing missed tackles at a rate that he has not matched his entire career. And if he can encapsulate that, he can get back to that same magic. Um, but when you talk about adding a guy like Chase Brown, you do get a little bit more of that dynamic element. He forced 83 missed tackles. And uh, last year, that was second in the draft class behind Bijan Robinson, who everybody was lauding as an extremely elusive back. So, Chase Brown definitely has that ability, has the explosiveness. Um, you talk about the explosive play rate, the the runs of 10-plus yards. Some of that is on the offensive line not being able to climb into the second level and get those blocks, but part of that is also when the running back is matched up, how many times have we kind of seen Joe Mixon kind of get shoestring tackled at the last second? Um, it, it just it's, it's something that you bears out in the explosive play rates when you look at his entire career. Um, he just hasn't been that home run back, and that's perfectly fine. That's not all these running backs have that home run speed. Um, Chase Brown does have that home run speed. He absolutely does. Um, he has great athleticism, a uh, bit of a fumbling issue. He had eight on 675 career carries, but Bengals running back coach was uh, extremely high praise for him after the draft and said, we think that's kind of a technique issue, something we can fix, not a concentration issue. Um, so that's good. He seems to be pretty willing in pass protection, which is good. They definitely need to have that. It's not to say it doesn't need work or that the effort is very consistent, um, but that's pretty commonplace with running backs coming out of college. So you just want to see the ability, and he definitely shows that. And he also shows a little bit of receiving ability. Um, I also think Travion Williams mixes in a little bit. You don't want to throw the rookie out there right away to try and pass block and some of these big games, especially on two division games coming out into the season, right? So I think we'll see a little bit of Travion Williams in there to help offset Joe Mixon's um, deficiencies as a class blocker. And I, I think you'll see them mix in with a little bit of Chase Brown and maybe as he gets more comfortable and as the Bengals staff gets more comfortable with him, you see him maybe take a little bit of that share away from uh, – from Travion Williams, but I think this is definitely Joe Mixon's backfield, and I think he's going to have the opportunity to match his career numbers behind this offensive line. We know he's getting to that age where I think he's 26 now, going to be 27 by the time the season ends. Um, it's getting to that point where, unfortunately, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, these very, very talented backs, very accomplished backs, all fell off at 27 or 28. So that time is coming, but Joe Mixon is on the roster. He is going to be here and he seems to be very pumped up and will have the opportunity that he's really been looking for. And one of the best offensive lines he's played with in his career. 
Really excited to see that as a balanced offense. And last but certainly not least, I'm going to talk to Joe Burrow. Me personally, I think the contract extension gets completed right before training camp or the first week of training camp. That's normally when the Bengals do their contract extensions. Um, all of the conversations are happening behind the scenes and they're quiet. And I love everything about that. I'm a huge fan of that with your franchise quarterback. It's a vow of silence between both parties. What are we going to see from Joe Burrow in uh, year four? And what do you think about the contract? Um, it's a good question. And that's kind of the, the big question is there's a lot of ways this can go, right? This can go the Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts or Deshaun Watson way where I need to be paid at least one to 2 million more than the guy behind me. And I get one to 2 million more on my signing bonus. And that's the way contracts have long been done in the NFL. Um, the Patrick Mahomes contract is definitely an outlier. It's up to Joe how much he wants to concede in terms of guarantees, in terms of structure, and when those guarantees actually do come into play um, and when they uh, kind of trigger and finalize. Um, there's a lot of flexibility in this contract. Can he, is he going to be? We know Joe Burrow has always been that very, he, he's not caught up in the limelight. He's caught, not caught up in the superstardom. I, I think he's very humble and has an understanding of like, Maybe he says $45 million to $50 million. That's not a huge difference to me. Then we can work things out. That's fine. I'd rather keep T. Higgins. I love T. I'm going to take $5 million less. So you can keep T and keep Jamar together. and We can keep this thing together. There's a lot of flexibility there. But at the same time, this cap is going up. We're seeing all these, the TVD, uh, TVD, Dear Lord, I cannot speak right now. The TV deals. There we go. The TV deals on the horizon uh, will be renegotiated. And I think we'll see a cap spike uh, pretty similar to uh, what the NBA experienced a few years ago. We know all the gambling money is pouring in um, with all the different sponsorships and different breaks that everyone's getting from that. So I think there is going to be room to fit Joe Burrow's contract under there comfortably. And we know how it works. You know, the the deals for Pat Mahomes, for even Matt Stafford and Derek Carr, who were both the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL at one point, every deal looks better after one or two other guys sign. Then after four or five guys sign, suddenly we're looking back, oh, Pat Mahomes, 45 million. Oh, my gosh, that's a steal. Like, that's just how it works with contracts. Um, I, I definitely think Joe Burrow deserves the blank check treatment. Um it's he is that level of quarterback he is that caliber of quarterback he has proved that and the age doesn't matter you know that's not a big deal at all and I think it's going to be better for them to sign him sooner rather than later I agree with your timeline that's kind of what I've held to the whole time is that seems to be when they get the deals done that's when business happens for them um I definitely hope it comes before other quarterbacks like Justin Herbert that way you know like we said you don't have to deal with the 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 hemming and hawing back and forth about, well, I want to be the highest paid. Let's get this extra million or two here or there. And I don't think Joe's like that either. Um, I think he deserves all the money in the world. I also think that based on his personality, he will structure it in such a way or take a little bit less money than he is arguably entitled to because I think he likes it here. I think he likes the core that they have, and I think he wants to keep it together. And I think he understands that life-changing money is life-changing money and, you know, 
five to ten million dollars on a four hundred million on a two hundred you know twenty million dollar deal or what have you is going to be a, a very big deal for him. So I I definitely am looking forward to that contract. I think it gets done no problem, like you said before camp. And uh, I think once one or two quarterback signs, everybody who's kind of arguing about the the value of quarterbacks will will not be looking at him anymore. I will say this. Joe is a pretty quiet guy on social media, but he's been reposting a lot of Bengals stuff on his story. So I'm thinking he's ready for football season to get here and uh, get this contract stuff out of the way and go ahead and let's let's play regular season. I'm, I'm really pumped about it. This team is really talented. It has one of the uh, it feels complete rosters that it is ever had in the last two years and I know they're without Jesse Bates and Mon Bell but I'm excited to see some of these younger guys step up in the secondary Evan McPhillips I know you're busy what's really awesome about you I've told you before I sent you a message uh right uh, during the offseason I said hey I really like what you're doing over there it's really great stuff with Molly Gray can you tell Bengals fans what you're up to yes absolutely so we've got State of the Jungle which is our special show catered to Bengals fans that is live every Wednesday at 7 p.m on our YouTube channel and that is at the sit down 513. You can find it uh, on my Twitter profile. I'm at emicphil. I've got the link in there. We're constantly retweeting and promoting the show. And we also have a kind of Monday general NFL, NBA kind of sports talk show. Um, and the thing that we love about our show that's a little bit different is it's a live show. And we really want the fans to engage with us in the chat, ask us their questions, steer the conversation and the discussion. So you don't have to say, oh, I hope that we talk about this or someone talks about X or Y on this podcast or this show, or I really want to know about this. I, I wonder about this. You can come to this show and you can ask whether on the Monday show, on the Wednesday show, bring your questions, engage, talk with other people in the chat. And we'll always go out of our way to answer listener questions, include you guys in the discussion and just really cool stuff that we've gotten to do over there with our show. Thanks to First Star Logistics. Had a wonderful draft party uh, just a couple weeks ago with Dave Lapham and Joe Goodberry, Malik Wright. So we, we've got a lot of really great uh, content creators, really good stuff over there. So we'd love to have you guys. If you could join us for, for next show, we'll be going live, like I said, Monday and Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And you can find the link to my YouTube channel, uh, our YouTube channel with that show uh, in my Twitter profile. I can't wait to check it out. It's going to be great. It's been a busy off season, plenty of Bengals news to talk about and training camp will be here in about two months, which is crazy to think about. I'm probably going to have you back again. Maybe we'll do an in-studio with Molly Watson before the, oh, the that'd be fun. Yeah. we'll chat everything Bengals football, but you are a great Bengals resource and I'm really looking forward to the 2023 season. Thanks for joining us. No, I really appreciate it, Lindsay. Thanks for having me.